Hi, and welcome to EnviroCenter's Green Room. Meet the people on the front lines of climate action and find out what keeps them up at night. I'm Mandy, and this week we're joined by Yasmina Tassi and Fatima Salim from Zero Food Waste Canada. What climate problem keeps you up at night? Two years ago, I was really shocked to see the amount of food that's being thrown out at the end of the day at a local bakery in Calgary. And since then, I've really researched the problem of food waste, um, environmental concerns that are associated with it, and try to tackle that. So what I've learned really is that today, more than half of the food produced in Canada goes to waste. And so that's equal to an astonishing 2.2 million tons of edible fruits, vegetables, meat, and bread that either never leaves the farm or somehow in the distribution process or even at the bakeries, it um, gets rotten and is thrown out. So that was a really concerning problem to me. And I realized how much this really costs our government, which is $17 billion. And, you know, I realized that this is enough food to feed all the people in Canada who are homeless. And on top of that, it's a huge environmental concern. So that's really the problem that keeps me awake at night. Every day, food waste is contributing to climate change, all the methane gases from the food that's in the landfill and it rots and um, all the CO2 that's released. So that's really the problem that keeps me awake. That is a big one. Thank you. Um, what is the solution? So although we recognize that food waste is really occurring at all levels of the supply chain, whether um, we come in uh, is at the level of the restaurants or bakeries, and then I mentioned the farms and distribution, et cetera. So where we really step in is at the level of the restaurants, bakeries, the local retailers. And we think that food waste and its resulting climate effects are really a logistics problem more than anything else. So Zero Food Waste uh, Foundation, as it's officially known, is a nonprofit organization that's operating in Calgary, Ottawa, Hamilton, as well as Edmonton. And it's a student-run organization. So that's the best part about us, that we're all youth-based and we're engaging youth in this problem. And so what we do is that our volunteers pick up the excess food from the restaurants and then redirect it to nonprofit organizations and people in need. So some of our food partners include Cobb's Bread, Bagelino's, Crave Cupcakes, and we've got some really exciting food out there. So we've got some of the junk food, but we've also got some really healthy food as well, including vegetables and bread. And so, so far we've rescued over 145,000 pounds of food and uh, it's really been amazing. We've served over 71,000 meals to the hungry across Canada. We're really relentless in our effort to ensure that food isn't ending up in the landfill and it isn't contributing to those methane gases um, and CO2 as well. And that every night families go to bed with meals at home and that they're not hungry at the end of the night. So the skills, passion and teamwork that my team at Zero Waste brings is really amazing. And together, I believe that we can solve the problem of food waste, hunger, as well as the resulting climate effects of it. Um, what's in the way? Um, I think what's in the way, like before we talk about um, the individual consumer, I think it's really important to talk about the supply chain. And I definitely agree with Fatima that, you know, there is a logistical problem that's happening at the supply level. And that's exactly why we're like why we have so much food waste on the individual level. So, you know, things like overproduction, unstable markets, we're in a pandemic right now. Businesses are not really, you know, um, making as much profit as they used to. So, you know, there's always like, uh, 
sometimes they expect more, sometimes they expect less. So that alone, you know, they're, they end up wasting so much food just because of a logistical mistake, wrong expectations, wrong, you know, research on, you know, how their market um, demands are basically. Um, another thing is if you look at restaurants, uh, you know, chefs in the kitchens, they don't really have time to actually go through, you know, what's being thrown away and all that. They're just, you know, busy making the next meal. So that's another problem. Uh, we do have technological advancements, but I know that they're costly for some businesses, um, that, but they would definitely solve that problem, you know, that logistical problem. But then if we're looking at the individual consumer, then it's definitely overbuying. When a consumer society right now, people are buying more than what they need. People are eating more meat than before. Like if you look at, you know, in the 80s in the States, today people eat double that amount of meat. So there's definitely overconsumption, overbuying from that aspect. And then there's also lack of awareness over things like best before dates versus expiry dates. There is a huge difference in that people don't like a lot of people just think they're the same thing. There's, uh, you know, the shelf life of a product, uh, repurposing that product for something else. Uh, we're taught to like use that thing and, you know, have one use for it instead of multiple uses. So that's, you know, definitely one of the biggest problems on the uh, consumer level. How can people help? I think the most obvious one is, you know, getting informed, reading more about things like best before dates, expiry dates, understanding how your like the, you know, the fruits in your fridge, how they rot, how they work, how long it takes for them to like actually go through that process, like understanding the science, not only the um, environmental impacts. Um, another thing is basically becoming a food rescuer with us. Uh, I think it's great from, you know, an environmental aspect, but you're also like helping your community. You have something to put on your resume. There's so much, um, you know, advantages of, you know, participating with us as a food rescuer. So I obviously would advocate for that. Uh, another thing is letting, th you know, throwing things away be your last resort. So instead of like automatically thinking, um, I'm just going to throw this away because I'm not going to eat it, do something like giving it to someone or repurposing it. For example, you could use um, vegetable scraps to make veggie uh, broth. Uh, you could compost and then maybe your last resort, if none of these work, would be throwing it away. So, you know, changing that mindset from you know, this automatically will end up in the landfill if I just, I'm not going to eat it to like thinking more creatively uh, in terms of what could be done. And there's also like little tips and tricks, like having like a bin in your fridge that says eat me first and, you know, consuming those things in the bin before consuming other things that are more newly purchased as well. Yeah. Last question. What's the good future? I'm really hoping for a future that's, um, you know, heavily reliant on technological advancements. We have so many um, inventions and startups right now that are really shifting the way we think of food waste. We have, um, you know, phone apps like uh, Flash Foods, which basically allow consumers to purchase uh, products that are about to expire for like half the price. We have things like LeanPath, which is a food waste um, prevention system that basically combines automated software with a smart scale and camera and uh, monitors how much food is uh, you know, being wasted in commercial kitchens. Um, big companies like Google are starting to use it. So there's so much room for growth in terms of technological advancements, even at the farming level. Not even, we're not even talking about like the supply chain, like even on farms themselves. Um, you, know, you have like drones that are flying over farms right now looking uh, for any things, you know, any food items that are about to rot and they just take it out. So you know, there's so much potential for growth in the technological industry. So I'm really hoping to see that in the future. That's it for this week's Green Room. Thanks so much for joining us as we get to the heart of climate action. 
You can find out more about our work and sign up for our newsletter at envirocenter.ca. Follow us on your favorite podcast app or subscribe on YouTube. See you next time.